Well, good morning again. <clears throat> so this morning, I'm like a, I was telling the first service, this, the first service I tried to jump the gun and get ahead of the scripture. I was like, I'm ready. Let's get off the blocks. Because I've been, I've been looking forward to preaching this sermon ever since uh, Charlie and Rick and I were all doing the sermon planning. Uh, and, and so how many of you like new information? Like whenever you hear something new for the first time. Now, I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing you you've never heard any of this before. But as we were planning this out and we were having a, a discussion around our table um, and we were prepping for this uh, sermon series, um, when we got to this one, Purpose, uh, it hit it hit me in my heart, and I had to deal with it first, which happens a lot whenever uh, anytime you preach or teach something, um, the Lord deals with you first on it, uh, especially if it's something in your life that you haven't got your head completely around. And so I can tell you that this longing for purpose out of this entire series, this is the one that I've been most excited uh, to get to preach uh, because it's the one that, uh, like I told him in the first service, uh, I'm not only preaching this, but I'm also a client. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm learning this as well. So, you know, one of the, the things that connect us as humans is that all of us have longings. And, uh, and sometimes I think we confuse those longings <clears throat> with, with passions or desires. Um, and here's what I mean by that. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm, I cannot wait. I'm longing for the day when school starts back. Uh, or someone says, man, I just can't wait. I'm longing for the day when I can be married. Or, or uh, someone that says, I long for the day when my babies are finally out of diapers. Um, so, so here's the thing. These things touch on longings, but these are really desires. And, and here's, here's what I mean, the difference. Longings are something that we as humanity share in common. It's something we all long for. And then there's desires that are unique to us as individuals. And so a lot of times we use the word, and we use it tongue-in-cheek. I don't think we really, really mean it. But, but sometimes we use the word longings, and really it's, it's better defined as a desire. Because some people are not longing for the days when their kids go to school, but they just wish they heard the pitter-patter of feet around their house still. Um, some who are married are longing for the days when they were independent and still had some freedom. Others are longing for the day, not when their babies are out of diapers, but that they could just conceive. And so some of these desires that we have, they are unique to us. But there is something that's, uh, that's common among all of us. And these are the things which are the longings. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. Part of the purpose of the series is to, to help us understand these longings of the human heart that God has implanted in all of us. Uh, the longing to know God. The longing for identity. The longing for purpose. Uh, to be known. For impact. Um, for a sense of wonder. These are given to us by God. And every human has them. But if we don't seek God in these longings... We'll always fill them with the wrong things or be searching in the wrong places for their fulfillment. And, and these longings are not something that we can ignore. Um, they're not meant to be brushed aside. Um, they're not meant to be pushed down. They're not meant to be repressed. Um, their intention actually is just the opposite. They're to be brought forward and to be wrestled with. 
And that's God's intention in putting them there. Uh, They could almost be described as an ache and a longing that's left unsatisfied will create a vacuum that will pull something into its void. Um, These longings, these deep aches of the human heart were created in us by God and for God and therefore uh, they're good and when we understand who we are in God and who God is in us, then we begin to understand uh, the longings created by God can only be filled by God. Everything else, even good things, will leave us uh, desperately unsatisfied. Um, For example, as a husband, I cannot fulfill the deepest longings of my wife's heart. Now, I can fulfill the desire, hopefully. I can fulfill the desire for her to be married, to be married to a man that is wrestling with, with trying to be a better man and be a man after God's own heart. And so I can help her fulfill that desire, but I can't fulfill her longest, her, her, uh, her deepest longings. Nor can I do that for my children, nor can they do that for me. If I go to them to find my purpose, I'll be sorely disappointed. And same with them, if they come to me to find their purpose, if their purpose is wrapped up in who I am, they'll be sorely disappointed. Um, you know, I have decently large hands, but if Shaquille O'Neal came up here and we drew his handprint around here and then I put mine in there, it would just dwarf my hand. He's got huge basketball hands. And that's God. He has put a handprint in our heart. And I can't, I can't fill that handprint in someone's life. Only God can do that, these longings. So why do so many of us find it so hard to satisfy these longings, especially if if they're God-given and they're good, well, I would propose to you um, that the culture of this world attempts to, to peddle sort of cheap and knock-off imitations of God-given longings. I believe Satan sit back and he laughs in amazement at the sheer volume of cheap and novel things that we intentionally distract ourselves with to keep us trapped in these cycles of, of self-defeating addictions and destructive behaviors and habits, things that distract and keep us numb, but they don't truly fill our heart with purpose. Satan's the prince of distraction. Um, he's good at counterfeiting that ache in our heart, and we see it uh, all the way back in the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4. It's the story of two brothers with the longing in their heart Both brothers bring an offering to God, and the text tells us that God accepted Abel's offering, but he wasn't impressed with Cain's offering. Genesis chapter 4, 2 through 5 says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a tiller of the ground. So we have two occupations, not to be confused with two purposes. Okay, So we have a, a keeper of sheep and a tiller of the ground. And it says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel, for his part, brought of the firstlings of his flock their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, let's break that down. Let's go back and slow down on this just a second. 
So Abel, we have as a keeper of sheep, and we have Cain, a tiller of the ground, and it says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. So Cain wasn't in a big rush. There doesn't seem to be any expediency in his heart. In the course of time, he got around to it. He brought his offering in the course of time. And then it says, he brought to the Lord an offering. Now, you can't just take that. You have to compare that because this is the offering the Lord doesn't regard. So what did his brother do that was different? Well, his brother brought the first of his flock and the fat portions. So he brought the first and the best to the Lord, the first and the best of his occupation. And we're going to talk about purpose in a minute, but the, his purpose is in his occupation. But he brought to the Lord out of his occupation. Okay, now, let me give you an example. And I don't think it loses context. We have to be careful when we, when we, when we use metaphors because there's no perfect metaphor. But let's bring this story forward. In this case, I don't think it loses its context. And let's put it in Texas, okay? So we have a farmer and a rancher, okay? And the, the, uh, the rancher's... The rancher wants to uh, have a, uh, provide a romantic dinner for his wife. And so the rancher goes out and he slaughters a cow and he prepares, has the beef prepared and then he grills the steak and he gets the potatoes and all the fixings and he makes this awesome dinner to show appreciation for all his wife's hard work and effort. He's in love with her, and he does this stuff. Now, the farmer, there's nothing wrong with his vegetables, but now guys, tell me a minute. If your wife was trying to show you appreciation, and she said, you know, tonight, honey, it's all about you. I just want to bless you tonight. And you came home, and you expected when you walked in the door that there's going to be this awesome spread. She said she's going to bless me tonight. But she actually comes in behind you. She's running in late. And then she runs in, and she goes, oh. And she grabs a thing of iceberg lettuce and chops it in half and puts one thing on, the, on your plate and then puts a couple of cherry tomatoes on it and gives it to you and says, I appreciate you so much. I would not regard that offering as that she put a lot of thought and care into, the, into that. It's not that I don't like salad. It's there's something about the preparation that went into preparing the steak. So Cain got angry because he was longing to know God and longing for identity for purpose, to be known. But he was giving God an offering in the course of time, not the first of his flock or the best. Let me break it down like this. Cain showed up late for an intimate dinner and only brought a salad, okay? And uh, now, let me just say this, time out, for those recovering perfectionists in the room like myself. Some of you just heard me say, you and your salad aren't good enough for God. And that's not what I said. That gets filtered through our brokenness. It's sort of like Men, you can probably identify with me. 
if you're, uh, if you're planning a romantic evening with your, li- with your wife and she has these expectations of what a romantic evening is going to look like. And so, again, back to our analogy. So you come in and you just throw something together. She's built this up. You just professed with your mouth that you loved her and you wanted to demonstrate love. And she's, she's built this up now. And now if you come in and you go, so... I thought we'd uh, sit here at the kitchen table, and uh, I didn't. You didn't put flowers out. You didn't do anything. Again, you just split the iceberg, let us down the middle, and gave her half. And she's looking and going, "What is this?" And then you come up and you go, "What? I mean, golly, what do you want? I put the toilet seat down. I mean, for crying out loud." See, we want, but listen, guys, don't we? We want full credit for a half-hearted attempt. And that's, what, that's the point that I'm trying to get at today. It wasn't about, it's not about the, the salad or the steak. It's the half-hearted attempt that was behind it. And so the reason we have to keep a pulse on this is the same reason Cain should have kept a pulse on it. Because it says in Genesis 4, 5 through 7, it says, So Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well. Now, listen, what's well? What is well? We have to look at Cain, or Abel's example. It was his best effort. Please hear me. It's his best effort to his first priority. His first priority being God. And he put his best effort towards loving God first. Cain had surpassed the God as master phase. Abel, excuse me. Abel had surpassed the God as master phase. He didn't simply love God. He was in love with God. And he says, if you do well, will you not be uh, accepted? And if you do not do well, selfish effort, low priority. Sin is lurking at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So, so Cain got angry at God because God wasn't impressed with his half-hearted love and his effort. And then he got mad at his brother because Abel was a curve breaker. Don't we hate the curve breakers? We call them fanatics. You know what a fanatic is? Anyone that loves Jesus more than you. We call them fanatics. It's like, (laughs) overachiever. Oh, there they go again with their fasting. Hey, it's about a love relationship. It's not about varsity, junior varsity. It's just about, it's it's a love thing. But we get mad. And so that ties into what we're, what we're talking about today. Who and what we give our best and our first priority to shows us where our heart is. And Matthew twenty two thirty five through 40 says, And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. He said, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And this is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So we all want to feel like we have purpose in this life, to feel like our life matters and we're making a difference. 
And I can't think of one person that would say otherwise. We've all been hardwired to have a purpose for our life. And so many of us are so desperate and busy giving our heart and our soul and our mind to so many things. But here's where it gets tricky. We too often place what we do in the hole of longing for purpose. And although we might love our job, we might love our career, they don't fill that longing for purpose. Sometimes it will for a while. Um, But we can be deceived for years thinking that what I do is my purpose in life. But what happens when your dream job is taken from you? What happens when the company you work for goes under? What happens when you work in a job that you hate or you dislike? If your purpose is built into that, then your longing for fulfillment and purpose go unsatisfied. They'll never be satisfied by it. All followers of Christ, we all have the same purpose. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. There's your purpose. Love God and love others. That is our purpose. We all have different giftings. We all have different uh, strengths and weaknesses. But our purpose across the board as children of God is to love God and love others. It's simple, but it's not easy. And our heartbeat should be for that. To satisfy the longing for purpose You have to actually decide and make that your purpose. Because you can try to make a zillion other things your purpose in life. And it will always leave you empty and unsatisfied. But God says, this is the first and greatest. Love me. Love others. Now, there's a second part to that. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19-20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So go and make disciples is the second part of that. Love God, love people, make disciples. Again, what does that mean, though? Does that mean, okay, church, you need to do more classes and you need to have uh, have more programs. And that's not where it starts. Okay, so let's review for a minute. Last week, Rick talked about this and the core foundation of where we're at. Our foundation is God. And God is love. I'm going to put holy up here because it's holy love. Because what's wrong if we just say God is love? We talked about that last week. If you just say, well, God is love, well, then I read my definition into it. Well, I say love is, you say love is, we can't come to agreement on what love is, but God says I'm love. I'll define it. I get that term, and that's why John Wesley called it holy love, because it's separate, it's different. It's different from the love that we, that we in the same breath we go, I love my wife and I love hamburgers. Well, what's really the same? What's that mean? You love your wife the same as a hamburger, or is it a different kind of love? I hope it's different. But it's really just given to this definition. It's given to cultural bias and all these things that we put on it. But God says, I'm loved. I'll define it. And then from there, we have to understand our identity.
identity. And our identity is that we are children of God, created in the image of God. Period. Because everybody else will tell us, and this culture is full of going, well, I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm this, and I'm that. And everybody wants your identity to be tied to all these different things. It's not our identity. We are made, all people, whether they believe in God or not. Now, we'll get to the belief part. Whether you believe in God or not, you are made, you are children of God made in his image. You have to accept him. That's who we are as humanity. It starts with our father Adam who's made and created in his image and his likeness. That's where our identity starts. That's why it can't be tied to anything else or you see people doing ridiculous things and calling it identity. Thirdly, our purpose. I was afraid I'd spell porpoise at some point. <clears throat> but it's, it's purpose. It's the great commandment and the great commission. It is to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. It's, that is our purpose. And listen, as we were, going, as we were planning these sermons, um, I had to wrestle with this myself. That's why I said I was so excited to talk about this, because this is... You know, you get people and they talk and they go, this revolutionized my life. You can just learn this one truth. I'm telling you, this one truth. Write this down, A, B, and C. I'm not trying to be overdramatic. I'm telling you, I spent a lot of time in my life thinking, oh, purpose, it's la, 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 la. And as we were wrestling this through in our sermon series planning and all this, I was just blown away, like in waves. I was just like, oh, my gosh, I think I've had this wrong. And you can be close, but, you know. Close in horseshoe and hand grenades, man. The thing is about purpose, it's like I started telling this to my, to my children and my youngest every, every night when I go to tuck him in. I started saying this because for better or for worse, you know, we, we go into our mind for definition. And so I am my kid's father and God is their father. And so I am the first definition of father that they tie to him. And I'm like, oh, Lord, God, they have to get this right. they got to get this right. And so, like, with my youngest, I started telling him every night. I'm like, Jacob, what's your identity? What's your identity, son? I'm a child of God created in the image of God. What's your purpose? To love God and love people. And then I say, why is that important? He's like, because later if I lose my job and I lose my house and I lose everything else, I've not lost my purpose or my identity. It doesn't go away. Nobody can take it from me. And I'm like, exactly. Man, let me, let me tell you, if I could get my kids from boys to men with just that much, we'd be a long way down the road. If they could just get that much. Because I know so many men, women as well, but I deal more with men. I know so many men who, man, when the, oh, they just, it just touched my wallet, just touched my career, and they fall apart. They don't know what to do because their purpose and their identity has been touched. I don't know what to do when I'm not this or that. I've had to wrestle with that myself. And I'm going, man, i got to train my sons. Even now, i got to start training them. That's not where your identity and your purpose is found. 
So we see that our purpose is a reflection of our identity. See, Augustine said, love God and do as you please, or in effect, love God and do whatever you want. Again, all you perfectionists in the room, I am one, and so I go, whoa, whoa, you can't do what you want. Hear me, I'm not talking about sin. What I'm talking about is the spirit behind the quote. It doesn't matter what you do. Because our purpose is not in our career or our job or our relationships or, 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 or. Our purpose is wrapped up and it's fixed in how we love and draw people. How we love Jesus, how we love others, and how we draw others to God. So we should be living with that purpose in whatever call or job that we might have. We should be living that purpose as a stay-at-home mom, as a student, as a retiree, as a rancher, as a farmer, as a school teacher. doesn't matter. We should be living our purpose in those occupations. And our identity is a child of God and our purpose to love God and love others. It doesn't change with our status in life or our age. And in the, it's the same whether you're, you're, you're young or rich or old or poor, healthy or sick. That longing in our soul for purpose is only satisfied when we fall in love with Jesus and fall in love with the people that Jesus loves and seek to show the world how to fall in love and follow him. It's, it's that. Again, it's simple, but it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy because it cuts across the grain of culture and every other voice and screams that you better find your niche. So let me put it to you this way. My purpose is not to be a minister. My purpose is to love God and to love you guys. And in the process, I hope that I can demonstrate how to love Jesus to those around me. I've been called by God to be a minister, but that comes from a deep sense and a secure understanding that I'm a child of God, created in the image of God for the purpose of loving God and loving others. It doesn't mean that ministry is always fun. It doesn't mean that I always enjoy it, but it does mean that I'm following his will, and that brings a sense of fulfillment. And too often, I think we focus on the what am I called to do part before we understand the first part, that I'm supposed to actually fall in love with this God and then do what I want. And again, I'm not talking about sin, just the opposite, that holy love. Now, there's a second part of this question of purpose that's important, but it flows from the first part. If I know my purpose is to love God and to love others and help others to fall in love and follow Jesus. How do I live that out? And this is the part that's exciting to me because we, we're all different. We all have different gifts. We all have different graces. We all have different things that make us tick. We all have experiences that help us to live this out. Um, and this is where our individual personalities play a big part uh, of, this, of this process. But this flows out of our identity and our purpose. We can't start here. Uh, we start with our identity and our purpose, and then we begin to define what we're called to do in this world. And for that, uh, we have to turn to three things. And the first one being our values. Our values. And so, what am I talking about? Well, our values are those things that excite us. Those things that keep us up at night. Those things that our heart beats just a little bit faster when we start thinking about them. What are our values? 
And then secondly, our spiritual gifts. This is how God has shaped us. Some he's called to be pastors. Some he's called to be teachers. But these, specifically what I'm talking about is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts, secondly. And then the third thing is our experiences. What things, good or bad, that help shape our future? So everybody in this room has experiences that are different from mine. And so I know in the, in the no class, uh, probably about a year ago, there was a woman that went through uh, the loss of a child. And, uh, and she, had, she had healed from it and everything, but she, she had gone through that, uh, through that experience. And I said, I'm so glad to know about that experience in your life. I said, because... If there's another woman that comes into our church and she has that same experience, I'm like, I can say I'm sorry. I can, I can try to help, but I don't have that experience. But if you have that experience, what you say, and especially what you say as a woman, will go a lot further than what I have to say. Because experiences are unique to us. So ex- where, are, where do our experiences uh, play into that as well. And so this is where taking a spiritual gift survey might help you. This is where uh, tests like Myers-Briggs and, and others might give you insight into what you should do. This is where some of us decide whether we're going to go to college or to trade school or decide what major to take, uh, depending on how we're wired. And this is where most of us try to spend most of our time trying to get answers to the question for our purpose in life. And I think you need to spend time there and see what you're good at and understand what you would be great at in a certain job and terrible maybe at something else. But these are good, but they're not critical. What's critical is knowing God and knowing your identity and knowing your purpose. Because if everything else goes away, that remains. And so purpose and pursue those with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, and you'll fulfill the longings of your heart. So the big idea today is is based on our scripture Our purpose, very oversimplified, is to love God and to love people. And that directly correlates to our identity as children of God created in his image and his likeness. And our purpose as children of God is to live that great commandment. To live the great commandment and that that is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And from that place of purpose, then we're able by the Holy Spirit to fulfill that great commission to go make disciples of Jesus Christ. In effect, to fall in love with God, to inspire others to do the same. So what's your next step? It could be to clear out the clutter in your life. Sometimes you got to just stop and go, look, what am I doing? So maybe to clear out the, cl- the clutter and just rest before God and say, hey, God, w- w- I know what my purpose is. It's to love you and love others. How do I do that? I just need to stop and just listen. I'm so busy, I don't even know how to like just love on you anymore. Maybe just to rest. You may already know your identity and your purpose, but you've never really investigated in how to figure out God's desires to utilize you. Maybe you need to invest in yourself. Investigate where God's calling you. We'd love to help. Uh, if you need help in that, uh, Charlie or Rick or myself would love to, to, uh, to talk with you. Let's pray.